All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Agbra, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Fole. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. I just want to comment that you are wearing the old X2 hat, and I got this cool patch one on. I think I, I think I got the old patch one or that one you had. I think maybe two weeks after this one. I can't. I want to wear that one still. I literally like my my problem is I sweat when I'm out so much. Oh, like I'm out fishing and I disgusting. ruin hats all the time. It's absolutely like vile, gross with sweat. <laughs> But I like it. It's one of my, it's probably the best like fitting hat I have at the moment. So I wear it all the time. It's a good one. Well, dude. And that's part of my problem too, is like, I'll still wear them if they're nasty. Like I have a hummingbird hat that I wore all last two seasons because I was having good luck. Like I was doing well in derbs and I was always wearing that hummingbird hat. So I'm superstitious (laughs) like that. I wear the same hat. If I have like good times on the water. Same socks too. No, I don't wear socks on. Oh, it's like super cold, but I don't care. <laughs> no, dude, socks. If it's cold, if it's cold out, I'm wearing my Blackfish waterproof socks. But if not, I'm going straight flip flops. Like there's people bundled up in in layers. Not oh, in Florida. On Saturday morning, I had three layers on. In all honesty, it was actually pretty chilly. But I still had flip flops on because I'm like I'm in Florida. It's a, it's illegal to not wear flip flops in Florida. <laughs> uh, but like, but dude, like I. Uh, I had this hummingbird hat and dude, it was so gross. I tried to put it on last week for the derb and I'm sitting there. I'm like, man, I got to make new luck. I can't wear this hat anymore. It's so nasty. It should, and, and so I put back two hat on and uh, had a bad day one. I still caught a big one. So I still think there's some juju in it. You know what I'm saying? And I ran into big ones day too. We'll have a full breakdown later this week on, on Friday's episode of how my, my tournament went on the Harris chain. But uh, I think there's some juju in the X2 hat. We just got to get built up. You know, it's not full fledged when you wear it right away. I'm, dude, I'm, here, like, you, like, I'm pretty sure the top of this hat, like that's the color this hat is supposed to be. And it's like green and gray from sweat, just building up on it, like 90 degree days on Lake Erie with no wind. So yeah, it's, um, I'm all for it though. Sweaty hats are the best hats. Oh, the savers. I think I looked right before we got on, like not to change subject. They're down four, nothing to the Leafs on nine shots. Ooh. So yeah, it was a pretty bad start. Sounds like Sabres issue of goaltending per usual. Yeah. But, I saw you put this up earlier. I was mid rant. Um, but our boy double digit angler, um, who just started a podcast as well. You guys should check it out. Uh, said my raccoon eyes are real. They are. If you think this is bad, you see my flip flop tan line already. I'm actually pretty proud of it by mid mid February with my flip flop tan line, the way it is like, I'm going to be I'm rocking New York, man. I got to keep it going. I'm going to wear flip-flops <laughs> when I get home. That way I can keep it. <laughs> got to keep the good juju hopefully, going for the year, man. Hopefully you're yeah. not coming home this weekend. It could be quite the slippery drive. I'm, I am this weekend. I am coming home this weekend. Drive so, safe. There's hey, bad ice no, we're not. Here, so, That's fine. Yeah. I'm wearing flip-flops the whole way home. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> our, uh, our guest tonight is no stranger to flip-flops. He actually is, probably isn't too far from where I'm at right now. Uh, Mr. Keith Carson is joining us here in a minute. We're gonna we're gonna bring him on here in a second, talking about how to find some bigger bass in the springtime because now's the time to uh, catch a fish of a lifetime. Um, but really fast, Andy, for folks that may have missed uh, last weekend, this past weekend's Lure Lab episode, uh, quickly uh, give give the folks a synopsis of that. Lure Lab, great episode. Alex Rudd joined us in. Uh... If you follow Alex Rudd's YouTube, you'll see a common denominator in like all of his videos as of late. And he's been just catching a ton of fish. 
on the Money Badger. So I figured I would bring him on and we would chat about the Berkeley Money Badger. It's about 40 minutes long. So it's a longer one on the spectrum for the Lure Lab. But there is a lot of knowledge dropped, his favorite colors, where to throw them, got into different sizes. So you want to tune in and listen to that one. YouTube, too, there's some pit, like videos of baits and stuff on YouTube. It was, it was a fun episode. So thanks to Alex for coming on. Old Rudd. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I'm a, our guest today is a Berkeley guy. I'm actually mm-hmm. interested to talk to him about the Money Badger. That blaze color is legit. I'm excited to throw that more. I'm actually going to go throw it this weekend. I- I'm torn. We'll talk about it at the end of the episode, but I'm torn on what my plans to do this weekend are. Um, but really fast, before we get Keith on here, I want to hype up a show for next week that I think... Mm, I'm sorry to all of our guests. Place. I'm sorry to all of them. Keith, I know you're in the queue. I'm sorry, man. I love oh, you. I'm so pumped for this one. It's such a good one. The coolest show, and I think Keith will actually agree with us. The coolest show... Next Tuesday night live. Live his first ever live show. I believe this is. I was talking with Andrew Hayes of Tackle Talk Podcast. I believe this might be the first ever live stream that he's done before. I could be wrong. He might have done Straycast. I'll have to double check. I'll have to text Pat. But we're having Hank Parker. Hank Parker's coming on live next Tuesday night, and I'm extremely excited. I was talking to Hank today on the phone, and he was pretty pumped up to come talk and uh, share some stories with us about his time. I mean, dude, he's still grinding. Like he yeah. is. He's a fishaholic, man. So, really fast, quick story. I promise we're gonna get Keith on here. Is I had, ran a media event for the new Berkeley jigs that released. Uh, it was, I think it's two years ago now. Um, and I said, Hank was one of our pros for that media event, and of course, I was very nervous because I'm running the event uh, and didn't want to be like Hank to think I'm some jabroni that didn't know what I was doing. Mm. But, Little does he know. Well, yeah, little did I know. Hank would be out of all the guys. Like we had Shane LeHue, we had Joseph Webster there. Like out of all Adrian Davina, like all the guys that were there, he was the hardest one to get off the water. Like it was awesome. I like I'm I'm like this man is an inspiration. Like I, I hope when I'm his age, I'm still the guy getting yelled at for staying out way too dang long. <laughs> so it was awesome. But you know, dude. With without further ado, let's get him on here because we I, I'm curious his his take on this, but. Mr. Keith Carson. What's going on, man? Hey, man. So I'm going to say Hank Parker, Hank Parker is going to be way better than I am. Oh, yeah, that's don't, don't sell <laughs> your slow shark, Keith. Come on. Yeah, that guy's a legend. We, we always love you on this show, buddy. It's why it's like, uh, I think it's your third, fourth time? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're up I there. I think it's third. Yeah, third. Yeah. This is one of our more frequent guests. But yeah, man, I'm sorry. But I think Hank's going to take the cake on the coolest episode we've done so far. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't think he's been on Stray Casts. I could be wrong, but I know because he's had – Pat's had like uh, Jimmy. Had Rick Klein, Jimmy. He's had a lot of old timers. Rolling. I don't – Rolling. I don't think Hank's been on there, but uh, fact- I could be wrong. Yeah, I can't say Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to fact check it, but no one like the power like Panger has. Panger probably get Hank on this week just to uh, just to throw yeah. it at me. Right. But, uh, but dude, how's it been, man? How's the offseason treating you? Let's catch up a little bit before we kick into today's top. One year ago, he was on straight cast. Oh, oh you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you got it. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, you know, everything's going good. Uh, you know, I had an offseason, had some downtime to uh, get a new boat, get everything situated, uh, you know, new trolling motor, new batteries. Uh, everything's loaded up, good to go. Um, so, you know, I just finished up the first tournament of the year on Okeechobee 
I finished 34th place. I had 15 pounds a day. Um, and I was happy with that. I had a, I had a pretty difficult practice and, you know, it's funny because looking at the weights from both MLF invitationals and the Bassmaster elite series, the weights are just unreal. You know, the size of the bags coming in, what Brian Cobb caught, you know, what, what some of the guys in MLF invitationals caught, uh, is just, it blew my mind. I, I didn't, I didn't catch anything like that in the practice in practice or the tournament, but, um, with the way the lake's fishing, you know, you know, there's only so much clear water because the lake's flooded. So all the guys are just kind of in one area and obviously the fish are too. So, uh, but you know, everything's going good. I leave for Clark's Hill Friday, uh, Thursday practice starts Friday. So I'm excited to get up there. You know, I, I've won a tournament up there before, so um, it's been a while, but, uh, I'm excited to, to hit that lake. Heck yeah, dude. Uh, I appreciate you helping me uh, procrastinate some of my uh, my work on live for the for the invitationals. That was fun. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big time procrastinator too, so I feel yeah, yeah. Dude, this time of year is so bad for me, especially like if uh, when we have like an MLF and a Bassmaster event going on at the same time. Like I get. Like I hope my boss doesn't listen to this. Long. I'm sorry. I don't get a lot of stuff done. I do my very best <laughs> stuff done, but like it's right, right. It's so hard to like, very best. You guys. Yeah, you know no, there's there's so much to do. Like you know, the other day they had uh, MLF and the elites run. You know, you got Toho mm-hmm. and Okeechobee, or the Kissimmee Chain and Okeechobee, Okeechobee. Let's say, and I'm just like. What do I do? What do I watch? You know, <laughs> yeah, which one? <laughs> and then, and then I chose the elites more just because uh, Cox was fishing, you know. Yeah. And so I, I follow Cox, you know. But uh, I watch both for sure. So, well, dude, yeah. I will say I watched both. I tried to watch both that day, and I did catch Chris Lane's wild finish at the end, which was sick. Like almost as cool as his brothers. Like I don't know what it is yeah. with those two brothers, but they like the dramatic finishes, which is great for the sport. Um, but, uh, one thing that's cool, you know, we talk about Hank's coming on the show, uh, next Tuesday, but, uh, next Friday's episode is Chris Lane. So Chris Lane's coming on the show, talk about his event on the Kissimmee chain. So we have that to look forward to as well. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I'll have to tease him a little bit because I posted the reel of him almost falling in the lake when he caught one of those fish. I think it was on the, it was some, I can't remember which river it is on the Kissimmee chain, but. He caught one, like almost fell in the lake when he was mm-hmm. trying to boat flip it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we've all done that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know what? First time I fell in, Cox and I were fishing together. We were like thirteen and fourteen, and we were fishing schoolers on the St. Johns River. And they came up schooling, and I bombed a cast up there, one ate it right away. And I stepped back to set the hook. And right as I stepped back, he opened the rod locker to pull another rod out. I step in the rod locker and I just flipped over the side so fast. I come up and I'm like missing my hat and glasses, everything. It, it was pretty funny. And I still caught the fish too. Oh, so. that. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, awesome, dude. That reminds yeah. me of like that Zona Iconelli episode where Iconelli stepped the hook yeah. and like stepped backwards and fell off the side of the boat. Like, Snapped yeah, just- his rod. <laughs> have you guys Great. seen that have you guys seen that trend lately on social where the like, dumb ways to die one yes yeah, i posted yeah. that with that video of the dumb ways to die that was, that was, that was I, i'm telling you you still gotta make the one where we fished that classic tournament and you tripped over my players and almost nosedived off the back of my boat yeah okay. your motor saved me i went head first into andy's motor 
when I tripped over the Triton, his Triton oh. and had the pliers that were like the, were the tools you could put flush with the boat deck. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. So we were like flipping docks and I was going to the back of the boat to go like get an angle and I didn't see the pliers. So I, my foot hits the pliers and I go fly into the back deck and my head goes <laughs> right into his motor. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You can hear me. I'm like, dude, thank God for your motor. Otherwise I was going in the lake and it's like late October. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, it was good. You're going to need to, you're going to need a helmet. Start fishing with a helmet, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like that. Uh, I'm like the dude from. Uh, oh God, what's the what's the baseball movie with the three old dudes? Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Some They're... Field of Dreams. No, or, no, no. Uh... <laughs> is it the, rook, the rookie? Is no. that oh, the French rookie? warmers. French warmers. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. There's the one dude that they had to duct tape his hands, and he had to wear a bike helmet when he was up to bat. That that's me when I'm fishing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh, well dude uh let, let's hop into it man um this time yeah. of year i mean even for us northerners uh at least in the northeast anyway we're starting to get our lakes are opening up people are starting to catch bass uh things are starting to come to life where like down here i mean you guys are already have had a first wave of spawners and things are mm-hmm. popping um this is the time of year you know beyond like the fall time for some specific regions that you can catch a true giant like it's the best yeah. time of year to catch a mega giant yeah. Um, and it seems like this time of year, you're catching a lot of fish. So it seems like, like to some, it may be easy, uh, to go out and catch a big one, but in reality, you can go out and catch a lot of fish this time of year. It's a great time to catch numbers, but it can be pretty difficult to go catch that true giant. Um, yeah. so really just trying to dial down where to find these fish, how to find them, what some of the, the telltale signs should be to, you know, when you're on small ones, you know, how do you readjust to go find bigger fish? But you know, let's, let's, let's back it up and start from like, you're going out to the lake this time of year, you know, and you're, you're not going out to just catch numbers. You're going out to hunt for a big one. Yeah. What are some of the first things you're going to do, you know, even maybe before you even put the boat in the water? Well, so, so one of the first things I would do before I'd even put the boat in the water is look at what the temperatures are. So, well, let's start a few days before. So like, if I know I'm going to go practice for a tournament, let's say I'm going to be watching the weather far prior to the, the first day of practice, like seven, 10 days prior. And I'm going to watch the highs and especially I'm going to watch the lows. Cause now this time of year, if fish are spawning, they're either pre-spawn ponds or spawn and some even post-spawn. And so you're going to watch, watch the weather and the lows is the real big number. So like you can have days where it's like 78 or something. You think, Oh, it's warming up. You know, the fish are going to start spawning, but if your lows 48, well, the water's really not going to warm that much. You know, you want your lows to be like 60 and above. And, and that's where that's really going to start to turn to where the fish will start to hit the bank. So now, so now let's say that we've had some warm weather. We're on a warming trend. When I put that boat in the water, one of the first things I'm going to do is just actually look for beds. Just, just start looking, find some clean water. If I'm familiar with the body of water, I'm going to go to areas that I've seen beds in the past and I'm going to start looking for fish on beds and visually seeing them. And there's times like a lot of times fish will go up and make beds and then they won't sit on them. So if you just see beds, you'll know that they're coming. And, um, you know, and then if you can see the fish, that's the ideal time to catch the biggest fish of your life is to actually sight fish because, you know, you go through an area, you see fish on the beds, you get to pick out what size fish you want to catch. 
you know, you could say, oh, that one's a two, that one's a seven. Oh, that looks like a 12 there. Let's fish for that one, you know. Window shopping. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I do have a question. What if, What would you say is the magic water temp for you to start seeing fish on beds? Uh, for me, it's about 57 degrees. Uh, a lot of people think it should be warmer. You know, I, I they start spawning real cool cold i've caught fish off the beds when the water is 56 on lake toho um but the important key is that it's on a warming trend you know typically so the the best number i'd say is about 64 to 67 is is the ideal temperature but it can be below 60 as long as it's warming you'll get those fish that you know really want to get their eggs out ahead of the rest of the bunch or you'll get you know just aggressive fish that spawn early you'll get some weird fish and uh and you do see that and it does happen but uh, that mid 60 range is ideal now i'd have a follow-up question that does i'm big person on like moon phase so do you feel like Mm -hmm. the moon phase has a lot to do with it too is on that warming trend yeah so the moon phase does have a lot to do with it but the the warming trend would trump a moon. Um, so like, let's say, let's say we have a full moon, but the weather's really cold. It doesn't matter. They're not going to spawn, even though the moon is ideal and perfect. They're just not going to do it. It's, it's too cold, but let's say you have the worst moon, like no moon. And we're on a great warming trend and every day is in the eighties and the lows aren't very low. They're going to spawn regardless of what that moon's doing. Um, and it may not be as good as if it were to align with a full moon or around a full moon, but they're still going to spawn because, you know, those females, they get their eggs in their belly and, you know, their bellies are expanding and they just want to push them out. Like, you know, they, they don't care what the moon is. They're like, just get these things out of me. You know, they're uncomfortable, you know? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. So uh... Something like that. That's a really good question, Andy, because that's one, honestly, there was many times where even Keith, I was, I was sitting there like when I was texting you to try to schedule a show while I was sitting out there graphing, I was sitting there because I was looking at temperatures and I'm saying, I'm seeing like 63 and I saw a cold front coming Saturday. I'm like, what is like ideal? Like for some reason, whatever in my mind, I always think like, I need to look for at least like 68, 69, 70 response. Yeah. That's good to know. I mean, that's, that's something right, right there. I learned a lot. Like. I probably missed out on a lot of fish that were up shallow spawning this past week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and like, like you said, you, you did see one that was like eight or so, right? Yeah. You, yeah. You mentioned. So, I mean, and I don't know, how long did you look for beds? Maybe when you're in four, 30, 45 minutes, if any. Oh, what? Oh, I mean, I, during the tournament in practice, I looked. Oh, the oh, thing oh, that I was oh. like, so. What I ended up finding out was, so we have a 21 day window for information. I don't really like information anyways, because it makes me make decisions that I wouldn't make. And it just kind of like, doesn't, doesn't allow me to learn correctly in my mind, but there are some things I think I like to get help on in regards to like something like that, like water temperature. Um, But like for me, I was just sitting there and I was like, there's a, a cold front that came in on Saturday. And I was like, I don't know what exactly it's going to do with Florida fish. But every, all rumblings I've heard from other anglers, like, you know, it's going to affect the shallow fish and do this and that. And I knew that there's still more waves that have yet to come because I caught pre-spawners in practice. So I figured if I could find, and I assumed, because I saw 70 degrees in some areas, that there were some that were probably done 
because I'd seen you guys had a, a full moon a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, if I could find areas, how I like to fish offshore. If I could find areas that had pre-spawners coming and 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 staging, and then uh, post-spawners coming out, that I have right. fish coming both ways. But uh, I, I found stuff like that, so I didn't spend too much time uh, trying to fish spawners. For one, the the cold front on Saturday scared me a little bit. But then two, a lot of kayak anglers don't really spend too much time offshore. Where I figured all the canals would be packed, which right. they weren't. I didn't see a single uh, other person in the canals yeah. and guy that was second place. And I think the guy that was in third, I don't think he was in the canal. There's a lot of the top 10 were in canals catching fish, which looking back on those big bites, I told you about offline came in those canals. So it's like, right. Looking back on it, I probably should have spent more time and been like, stop being so, so hard headed. But yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. a, I don't, I don't know, man. I think it's good to know though. Um, but I've heard, and I'm, I'm curious your take on that, that, the colder the temperatures, the bigger, the bigger fish are more apt to spawn earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. That's fact check that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so an example I can give, so, um, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was like January 7th or February 7th, 2010. It was like one of the coldest days in Florida that I remember it was like seven degrees or high was 20. Oh you know, God. which I know that's like normal for you guys right now up there, but, <laughs> but for here, reason when it's like that, yeah. like shut down uh, Florida. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like everything, you know, schools are closed, you know, stuff, even though there's no snow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no. So, so it was really cold for a long time and there was nothing spawning and then it warmed up and it, and we had like three eighty degree days. And it was the absolute best spawn I had ever seen in my life and still is to this day. And Cox and I went out fun fishing on the St. John's River. And our five biggest, the first day we went out all sight fishing was about 45 pounds, 45, 48. And then day two, we went out and uh, our five biggest went 42 pounds. And it was so good. We told his brother to come who doesn't even fish. And his brother caught like a 12, a nine and a six on one bed. There was the the fish were, yeah, the fish were trying to spawn so hard that there was multiple females per male and like they were fighting over males. Like it's things, you know, you you don't normally see, but that extreme cold, like uh, that, that year also, I remember it got so cold that we had massive snook fish kills like on the coast because, you know, the water got so cold, they didn't make it. Uh, But it it made the, uh, the spawn excellent that year for bass. So (laughs) That's super intriguing. So it's like on the first, like the first signs of spawn, do you think those are the times where not like in the heat of it? I mean, you can catch big ones in the heat, but like the first telltale signs, signs that the spawn is happening is like your chance to catch the biggest one in the lake. Uh, not exactly, but yes, it's, it, it, yeah, you're right. It is. It's your best percentage of catching the biggest one in the lake at okay. that time. If you could time that up, you know, and then, just get out there and look for as, as many big ones as you can, you know, and, um, and Florida's a, Florida's a funny place. It's different than anywhere else in the nation when it comes to pre-spawn, spawn and post-spawn. So typically uh, in other, in other areas of the nation, your pre-spawn fish are going to be, they're going to be deeper. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be on like brush in front of say a spawning flat or a creek. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on items like that, things like that. Yeah, Creek miles. And yeah. Now in Florida, our pre-spawn fish are like 20 feet from a bed, like 20 feet from a spawning area. Like 
so like let's say for example you're on lake harris on the harris chain and the fish are spawning in a creek you're going to have pre-spawners that are just sitting in the creek like working their way back into the creek to where they're going to spawn and so you know it's totally different than um it, it it's also more difficult to actually target pre-spawners in Florida because they're just like all mixed, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you just fish spawning areas and you'll catch everything here in Florida, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. I mean, so take, I mean, obviously Florida is its own beast. Um, and it's one that like, even you said, like it's hard to even target pre-spawners. Um, but like yeah. take, take a non-Florida lake out, out of the picture and take like, take a a a let's just call it uh, a lake that's got you have a flat and a flat that joins up to a creek there's a secondary point and then a little bit of it opens up in the back where a super shallow mm-hmm. flat in the back of this creek i mean where you know once you start seeing signs temperature wise right you talked about you know the the warmer the nighttime temps the, the warmer trend the warming trend you find that's the time to go look for these fish that are spawning what is the first place you're going to go check so, I mean, if it's the first warm, warming se- trend of the year, the first place would be in the back of the creek. And then as it warms up, you're going to start moving out towards the secondary point and towards the point. And then as, as time goes on, and let's say, you know, we're weeks into a spawn from the first spawn, they're going to be on the main lake. They're going to be as main as main gets. And that is actually sometimes when the best spawn happens. Um, on non-Florida lakes. And the reason is, is because, you know, it takes time for those offshore fish way out in the middle to, to actually hit the bank. Those are some of the last spawners, but that's also where you have some of the biggest schools of fish is out there on that main lake. So a lot of times, you know, you can have big waves move up late in the spawn. And those are those fish that, you know, come from way offshore and, and stuff. So, right. Yeah. That can be a lot of fun. Do you find that it's easier because you mentioned starting way back in the creek, like to the very back? Do you think it's easier to, like, say this time of year when you go to a brand new body of water to like that's where you're going to start? Just go as far back as you can and work your way out, and that'll give you a telltale signs of what those fish are doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go go to the back, start there. Uh, you know, look for beds, fish, fish as much as you can, fish things on the way in and out, docks, points, uh, bushes, you know, whatever's there, and. Uh, and, and, you know, you just keep going, keep, keep plugging along. And, um, you know, the lake, I have this saying where like the lake just kind of reveals itself to you. If you just keep going, keep, keep casting and, uh, you know, you'll get some clues and then you can, uh, clue in a bit and, you know, expand from there. That is yeah. one of the things I think I learned last week was uh, in New York and uh, some other lakes, I found that you can spend, there, there's an advantage to using your electronics most of the practice to let the fish show you and you can always just figure out how to catch them in the tournament pretty easy if you can find like schools of them and such right i like especially in new york like in new york if there's schools of fish you can see them pretty damn easy yeah um, or i've learned in florida i think i need to i should have spent a lot more time casting than i did looking at my my graph right right well you know florida is like it's totally different. You got all the grass and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, New York where, you know, you're looking at say rocks or something and then you can see the fish swimming all around like Florida, mm-hmm. they just go right in the grass and you're looking and you're like, Oh, there's nothing there. But really, you know, you just got to throw that trap in there and rip it out, you know, <laughs> and they'll come <laughs> flying out after it. We, yeah. uh, we have a comment here from Anthony Geis. 
saying, holy shit, is that the brawny man in real life? Wait for the party here, Bailey needs to get on this weird game. Yeah, I, I, I say this every week, but Tony, Anthony, he has like the greatest comments. Oh, always. He's I mean, he's, it's not even just our show. He's, he does it to like Ike Live and everything too. He's known there for, for the comments. He told me that uh, somebody called, so I was on the Ike Live show back in October after the charity event. And someone said that I was a stick, like trying to say, you know, yeah. type of deal. And he goes, a stick. He goes, I think he said that's like goddamn log or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, I have big old under thighs. So he's, I can't remember what he said, but it was, it was something really funny. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, that's so kind of getting back to the conversation. So you start back in a creek. You start finding them where you, where you want want to come. When you think they're pre-spawn, some of them are on beds. You kind of have them in all stages. But you're not finding big ones on bed. And the pre-spawners you're running into, say you're only running into males, um, what kind of adjustments would you try and make to try to catch a bigger caliber of fish, especially when you know that the lake is, is, is capable of much bigger fish than what you're catching? Yeah, so if that was the scenario, I would uh... – I would look at what part of the lake I'm in and then I would move to a different part of the lake uh, based on the water temperature. Like, so and, and part of the way that you do that is like, if you're on a body of water, many bodies of water, they have like a river system that feeds into the lake that could go to say a reservoir, like a dam, uh, you know, that kind of deal. You know, you're, you're going to have your warmer water closest to the dam and it's going to be coldest up the river. And so, you know, let's say I'm running into that situation and I want to find warmer water where the fish are going to be more pre-spawn. I'm going to get closer to the dam, you know, and that'll help me clue in on like, okay, I was just in the wrong part of the lake. And then, uh, you know, I find the type of fish that I want to catch, whether it be pre-spawn or spawn or whatever the uh, weather would allow me to do. And then I'm going to target those fish in that particular part of the lake that, uh, that suits my fishing style the best. And that's kind of how I'd go after that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's can be, and this is the part that I learned is so frustrating about Florida is that one day they're all just two pounders, pound and a mm-hmm. half, and you can do the exact same thing, nothing different changes. You go back to that area and it's all five pounders. <laughs> yeah, I you know not oh, yeah. even one day. Sometimes it's hours. Like when I was fishing Okeechobee, it was like that. Like you know, I was fishing Moonshine, fishing around a bunch of other boats. And we'd pass each other, you know, we're like, hey, you got any? Like, no, eight pounds. I got eight, you know, this and that. And then in the last hour, the place would just come alive. You know, we were all catching five pounders. And it was unreal. And we would ask each other, we'd see each other at the way, and we're like, what do you, do you think they just swam in? And it's like, there's no way. Like, I think they were there, and they just turn on, you know, hmm. and they decide to eat. And, um, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to understand. I've never quite understood it, but I think it has something to do with, like, dominance and the big ones allowing the little ones to eat and just like, you know, laying back. And then when they decide to eat, they take charge and the little ones don't eat at all. You know, just big ones eat. And yeah. it's just like a waiting game. See, like it's- for me mentally, that is the hardest freaking thing to wrap my head around. Like the capability to understand that, Hey, they're going to eat at some point, like 100%. They're going to eat. If I sit here the whole day, they're going mm-hmm. to eat at some point and then literally taking the decision to sit there on the same spot all day long and, yeah. you, and you catch them and you get bites like that to me 
it's so hard for me to make that call. You yeah. I mean? It's like, oh, I'm it's, with you. I feel like, like, how do you even practice for that? That's my thing too. Like, are you taking an area that you know is good or like, or you think might be good and you just sit on it for five hours and practice. And if you get bites, you get bites. Like how do you practice for something like that? You know, I don't think you can practice for something like that. I think it's just something that just happens. And like, you know, so for me, I'm actually, I'm a fast fisherman. I'm always moving, but there's many times where I fish tournaments and I don't move the boat at all. Like all day, I won't move it. And one of the recent examples I can think of was Lake Gunnersville uh april last year i was fishing and what it was was there was brim beds and i found this massive massive brim bread uh, on gunnersville and it, i mean it was like you could cast you couldn't even cast across the thing and the brim were making beds and they're doing figure eights like thousands of brim it's like it was like an orchestra and i would sit there and just watch and wait and suddenly you'd see the bass start going around the brim bed like they're surrounding them and I mean tons of bass, like tremendous schools of two to five, six, seven pounders. And when they decided to attack, you couldn't, you couldn't reel your bait through there without catching a bass. And so I would sit on this brim bed for hours and just watch them. I could see the water was clear. I could see, you know, there's like two feet deep. And, um, and suddenly it would come alive and I'd throw my bait in there. And as soon as the bait would hit the water, whoosh, they're thrashing it. Giants too, like four, you know, fours and fives and stuff. And it was as fast as I could catch them. And uh, so something like that, you know, hey, I could sit for three or four hours without a bite, just knowing that that school will come through at some point and I just got to be ready, you know. Um, but, uh, but when it's not something like that, like if I can't see things changing, I have a hard time sitting in one spot, like just hoping they come through, you know, I just can't do it. So. I, I can't, I can't, like, I literally can't do it. Like it just makes me go insane. Cause I, well, in my mind, like at least, and this is the problem. I think it's because I'm from New York where I have fish that are biting all day long. Right. And it's not like one grass patch on the entire Lake of Lake Harris that goes off that you can catch him. And yeah. it's like, where it's like for us, like you just go 30 yards down the bank and then you, you can find another grass patch in New York. That's the same fish. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, when do you stop biting? Okay. I can move now. And then I can re- let them reload and come back later where it's like, I mean, the, the guy who won Erie minor, I mean, hats off to him. He caught a mega bag uh, on day one. I mean, it was 108 inches in bag, it was over 30 pounds. Uh, what? It's, yeah, it's actually like hit the fish to f- big fish he caught was over 24 inches. Uh, it was only eight four, but it had like an inverted belly. Um, like he, he caught a bag, and that's what he did. He sat on the same yeah. spot literally for two days straight. And wow, was, like there was guys that were hammers that were probably 30 yards from him that had bad days, and it yep. was it's nuts to me. I'm like, holy crap, that's Florida, like needle, yeah. And- yeah, it is. It is needle in a haystack. You found the yeah. perfect cast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You got to find the perfect cast. That's the key. So yeah. that time of year, I know you said you like to fish fast, you know, covering water mm-hmm. and trying to run into them, you know, always be casting. You mentioned in practice, especially when you're going from the back of the creek out trying to figure out where they're at. Uh, what baits are you throwing? Oh, man. So I'm a big Fritz side five fan, you know, uh, I won the open on that and, um, just loved it ever since. And, uh, so I'm going to be throwing Fritz side a lot. I'm going to Fritz side, you know, especially if it's pre-spawn. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, if it's more spawn, I'm, I'm going to throw a swim jig a lot. I like to put the max scent meaty chunk on the back of that and, and hop it around, swim it, you know, and a lot of times you'll get those, those pre-spawn females and spawn spawning females to come up and eat it. And, uh, even if they don't eat it, a lot of times they'll show themselves. And so what that does is it reveals where the bed is. So, you know, when I get a big one to come up and blow up on it, if I don't catch it, I'll troll into where it was and see, you know, if, is there a bed there? And oftentimes in this time of the year, there is, you know, and then I can actually sight fish that fish and I throw the Berkeley gilly on the beds and they just, it's things irresistible, you know? So that, that thing, that thing's nasty yeah <laughs> for bed fishing yeah <laughs> dude that yeah. is one that's actually pretty cool like in regards to how it swims and like i'm thinking like the brim bed thing you were just talking about like that mm-hmm. thing would be pretty cool oh yeah. yeah yeah you throw it out there and uh i mean what what's so great about the brim beds is is well most time they'll just eat it like when your bait hits the water but if they don't, you just leave it down there on the bottom. And when the bass come in, they chase all the brim away. And all that's left is your gilly laying there on the bottom. And they just pick it up. Like, you don't even have to move it. They just swim over to it and eat it, race off. And oh, uh, brim bed fishing is – what's that? So when a bass wants to eat, it's dumb. They'll eat yes. anything. I'm convinced. Anything. Anything. It's so much fun when they want to eat. <laughs> Yeah. And when they don't want to eat, it's not that much fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. We have a question here from Anthony Guest asking, what size ghillie? Uh, all of them are pretty good, honestly. Uh, I like the 90. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all great. Yeah, I like the little one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You so know. they're, you know, with the, the floor, especially Florida. Um, but there's a, a bunch of lakes that fall into this category of they could be in the exact stage we're talking about where there's pre-spawners, you can catch them. You can even see them. And you're talking about them on burn beds. Uh, but then there's, you know, fish that are on beds, but there could be water clarity where you can't see them very well. Right. Uh, there's certainly ways to catch them, but uh, we have a question here from Levi Schneider that says, whenever the water clarity isn't ideal for sight fishing, and we've seen like Scott Martin do this on the Harris chain last year using forward facing sonar. He's asking, do you ever utilize scout or perspective mode on your forward-facing sonar to find bedfish? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I, I really haven't done that a whole lot. Um, yeah, I've seen some beds with it, but I have a hard time fishing for bedding fish with my electronics. Um, so one of, the, one of the big keys to sight fishing is you have to place that bait exactly on the bed where they're going to eat it. So, you know, you, you see this big bed and Oftentimes, you know, you'll have a fish that's really aggressive and you just get it near the bed and they eat it. But a lot of times that's not the case. A lot of times you have to hit exactly where their eggs are. And it's like, you know, it's not very big. It's like the size of a, a couple quarters or something, you know, a couple inches. And uh, and so, so, you know, to answer your question, doing that with electronics, you know, can be really difficult. And there's a hesitation also in the electronics. Like when, when you're sight fishing, I need to see how that fish is reacting to my bait in real time, you know, exactly what, what gets it, gets its fins to raise up, what pisses it off, you know, makes it want to eat. And with the electronics, there's this hesitation. So I hop my rod, you know, and then a half a second later, you see your bait move. And uh, so it's just been really difficult for me. And maybe uh, as uh, electronics improve, you know, uh, my, uh, my opinion on that will change, but hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we, we saw, like I said, you saw like Scott Martin doing it last year. Where you know he had, he could put his forward facing on at least on the beds he couldn't see, 
and be able to tell if there's a fish moving around on it. Yeah, yeah. So I I think, like, at that point, I mean, it's like you find them on forward if you can't see them, and then you're just fishing it visually. You're waiting for your line to move. To Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that that works a lot, but I've noticed for me that – so, like, let's say I'm fishing structure. Like, let's say I'm flipping pencil reeds here in Florida or cattails or something, and I'm doing that. I – I noticed that the fish can hear that sonar. Like, I think it's extremely powerful, the forward sonar. You know, it's not like the old 2D pucks in the back of the boat or whatever. Like, right. <laughs> these fish, they hear it. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it affects the bite. You know, if Scott catches them doing it, you know, that's great. But there's been a lot of times where I've done that and I've seen them and I pitch to them and nothing. Like, tons, tons of fish swimming away and I'm not getting bites. So I'm like, eh, I'm just going to turn it off and just go back to, you know, fishing, you know, when it comes to that. I, yeah. I've made a habit now. Like if I can see bottom, I'm literally turning off my 2d. I keep my mapping on just like, if I need to like mark a waypoint of where they're at type of deal, like where I see fish type of thing. I yep. do the same deal, like turn them off completely if you're shallow. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, everything except 2d, I keep that on a lot. Um, I like to know how deep it is directly below the trolling motor. So, you know, if there's a depression, if it goes from 2.2 to 2.4, 2.5, I know that doesn't sound like much, but in Florida, that's a lot, you know? And uh, so I like to know all those little teeny depressions and things like that. Um, uh, So yeah, I'll keep the 2D on, but not forward sonar. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, really fast. I'm going to show you this, uh, this fish that Ewan caught his 24 incher. All right, let's see it. Let me show you this. Let's see, let me pull it up. I got to pull the tab. Here we go. Check that sucker out. Holy crap. What a wow. head on that thing. Yeah. It's, what, it's wow. all head, no tail. Yeah. It's literally like a stump. <laughs> wow. It looks like a Lake Eustace fish because uh, it's a little bit lighter or it could be a popka, but I think it's Eustace. Every, it's funny on the Harris chain, every fish from – uh, each body, each lake looks different. Huh. You know, none of them are the same, you know? So it's, it's funny, like how they all have different colors and patterns and stuff. That is really intriguing. I cannot get over that fish's tail to head ratio. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> like, it's got like a three pounder tail and like a 10 pounder head. Yeah. I mean, wow. three pound that, that fish. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's post spawn or if that bass just had a disease or something, but <laughs> you know, when that AIDS. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a guy that's like six foot, but his legs are only like two feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Right. It's a wild fish. Yeah. That thing's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, dude, that like I was at, I was talking to him, like asking about like uh how much that thing weigh like i was i, I asked him like it's got to be 10 right he's like yeah it's only eight four i was like eight four oh, yeah, look at the head i can imagine that thing coming up the surface like that head would make alone make me like crap myself oh yeah uh, yeah i would like have a panic attack and pass out before i reeled it in you know <laughs> <laughs> oh this comment is amazing so Anthony, <laughs> well, now we know that's incredible uh, Tony likes yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> uh okay so we we back on track we do have a good question here from matt boyd uh he's asking what is one of your favorite top water baits for spring or spawning bass um 
so like one of my favorite top waters actually a swim jig and i swim it on top like not on top but you know it's like Sub-surface. one or two inches Sub-surface. yeah yeah like where every bite you would see the boil or they'll just blow up on it because you know a lot of times they're spawning in the structure they're in the pads you know they're in stuff like that uh, so it's hard to throw treble hook baits but if you're on a body of water where there's not a lot of grass man just just throw a walk in walking bait walk top water the cane walker is really good uh, i throw that a lot you know if i'm on a place like uh clark's hill next week i might be throwing that you know <laughs> i might be but if you're listening yeah. to me fishing it i'm not yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool that, that's a great great bait but you know it just depends on uh, what body of water uh, matt's on there and uh you know go swim jig or, or walking bait that makes sense for sure andy you got anything for uh, for Keith here in regards to this time of year? I had a question, and I lost it when he showed me that bass. So you, gotta, <laughs> you might have to give me a minute. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, was, I still can't get over the head-to-tail ratio. I think it was wild. So, like, Keith, this time of year, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, selfishly, like, when you have your first wave of honors come up, especially in Florida, um, but, like, yeah. how far will into, like, that first heat and trend come in the spring? Will those fish spawn? Um, so – Typically, our fish spawn from November until May. Um, but, uh, like, so, for example, I think on Okeechobee, I think they're going to be spawning into, like, June. It's uh, Okeechobee's flooded. It's really high. It's way, way behind any other lake in Florida right now. I think they're just coming to spawn still, um, even though the water's warm and things like that. Um, you know, the fish have been spawning on Harris for months now. And on Okeechobee, like, I just didn't see it happening two weeks ago. Um, so a lot of that has to do, you know, with water level and things like that. But, you know, typically in Florida, our fish spawn for six months of the year. And, you know, it's always funny because when I go to other parts of the nation, people are like, our fish spawn and they're done in a week and that's it. And I'm like, geez, you know, it just blows my mind, uh, you know, that 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 happens in other parts of the nation because that sure doesn't happen in Florida. Yeah, I don't think that's like the truth to it at all i think people just Mm -hmm. get so used to fishing the same stuff over and over and over again that they're very repetitive in the way they break down water and target a specific lake that they're missing 90 percent of the other fish that are spawning like for instance up here on erie where i'm at and bailey's at in buffalo our spawn goes from like the second week of may as soon as the water temp hits 50 all the way to like the second week of july and they're always in a different area so that's a question I do have is down there in Florida kind of correlated all together. Do the fish spawn in the same exact areas from November to May, or will they kind of disperse and move in different areas around the lake? Yeah. yeah so our fish spawn in the same exact areas. And not only that, they spawn on the same exact beds, the same, same bed and bass will reuse the other bass's beds. And not only that, they, they, kick tilapia off their bed and they take tilapia beds and that happens all the time so like you'll be you'll be going down the bank and you'll be you'll see like 50 tilapia and you'll think ah there's no bass and then it's like bam there's an eight pounder with two tilapias right next to him and it's a bass and it's like holy cow and you go down a little more there's another giant and they're on the big concave tilapia beds and they'll they'll steal them from the tilapia and run them off happens every year yeah it's it's amazing they look like smallmouth beds. 
the tilapia. Yeah, I learned that this past week. I saw one. I went around the corner. It was my first time I've ever seeing a tilapia on a bed. And I, it's so funny. <laughs> I'm on the GoPro. I have my chesty running. I'm like, is that bass glowing? Because they're like pale white. Like they, you, yes. they really glow. Yeah. You can see them. And I'm like, that's a tilapia. And that was like yeah. the first time I learned about that. I was like, this is interesting. And I, I learned, I remember they're like, yeah, bass eat tilapia. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, damn, that thing's bigger than most of the bass I'm seeing. Right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you can eat that one. No. Yeah. That's uh, tilapia. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. And then also, Andrew, you mentioned your fish spawn from 50 degrees. So when I was talking about the mid 60s, you know, I'm referring largemouth, obviously, yeah. there, you know, smallmouth are, they start spawning much sooner. Well, uh, you know, I would say it's the that. same thing for really a largemouth, though. Like a typical year for us up here, ice is off our lakes, what, the end of March, beginning of April, some years, depending on how cold right now. the winter is. And yeah. then like three weeks later, we'll have fish on beds because we'll go from like 31 degree highs to like 70 degree highs, 75 degree highs in like four weeks. Well, wow. I mean, to, to Keith's <laughs> point though, like the nighttime temps, like we have, yeah. it'll be 26 degrees in the morning, but by 10 o'clock it's 82. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fish are so confused. But I mean, to Andy's point though, like I've been out there and I've, I've seen like one or two spawners when it's like, 49 to 50 degrees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is super weird and then yep. you see a giant wave of them come up and then you can see some of them yeah. that like in some of our lakes they spawn until like the end of july yeah. yeah. wild. they just keep that's coming crazy. and that's what i was saying like the guy that says they spawn in one week that's there's no way because of mm-hmm. like they're trying to create like generational growth on these fish if they all spawn in that one week period everybody would know it and the fish would be basically wiped clean of fish. They yeah, I agree. Of different periods. Yeah, I think yeah. all fish spawn for a span of months. You know, uh, in Florida, I believe it's the longest for sure because our our weather goes up and down so much, and our body of waters are our bodies of water are shallow, so the temperature can change drastically in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. Um, but up north, like you said, even Erie, I mean, they're spawning for months. You know, it's it's a while. You know, you can go out and sight fish for a couple months. And, uh, you know, in places like St. Lawrence, where there's a lot of current, you know, those fish are spawning way later. You know, that water is going to stay a lot cooler than it will, mm-hmm. on, you know, more stagnant body of water. So, well, that's a good point, too, because, I mean, if you talk about that, like especially smallmouth, as long as they have some sort of light that can reach the bottom, they're going to spawn as, as deep as they feel like, especially those big yeah. guys. And, uh, yeah. Which that is one of the, the questions I had for you, especially talking about largemouth is, have you found that those, like a lot of people say the bigger fish, they always spawn deeper. Uh, but I mean, I don't know if there's a correlation to that. I think it's just, you might get bigger deeper because they're just less pressured when they're spawning, if that makes any sense. What do you think yeah. the truth is there? I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, I've heard that, of course, all my life, bigger fish spawn deeper. I don't know. I can't say that that's true. I've seen absolute giants with their backs touching the water. Basically, you know, the time that I referred to earlier when John and I caught like 45 pounds, every one of those fish, its back was touching the water. They were in one foot, maybe less. And like one of the fish we caught that day, it was on a tilapia bed. It was a nine pounder. And this fish, so you know how the tilapia beds, they have the concave to it. Well, the fish would get on its side and swim over the side of the tilapia bed and then down in it. (laughs) 
And I was like, holy cow, you know, and I pitched in there and spooked it and it got on its side and then it swam and it made a big loop and it got on its side again back in the bed and I pitched on it and caught it. It's like, just blows my mind, you know, that these fish are in no water. Um, They're not smart. Honestly, though, think about it. That's honestly, (laughs) think about it if you really think about that. As a female, you're mom of the year. You're a genius. You have a board, you have basically have a border around your bed that fish can't get into. Right. Yeah. You protect them better. Genius. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's true. Our, you know, but this was on the St. John's River. The St. John's River bass are a breed of bass that there's nothing like in the nation because we have brackish water. So like, you know, you could be fishing and I mean, I've seen dolphin in Lake Monroe, porpoises, there's crab traps, there's stingray everywhere. Every year that I sight fish on the St. John's, I see stingrays you know swim oh yeah they're all over the place there's tarpon out here and so our our bass have like that little bit of you know how saltwater fish are extremely aggressive you know sharp teeth like almost everything kill you it seems like yeah so these bass are like they're a different breed they're some of the most aggressive bass i've ever seen so you know when you see fish spawning with their backs touching the water it's like yeah you know it's a saint john's river bass you know (laughs) they do they do crazy stuff here yeah that's awesome yeah Uh, i heard uh we're gonna start wrapping things up here in a second but i've heard that saint john's took a good beating from the hurricane it did it did yeah i mean we had our our saint john's river was at a 500 year high um from this hurricane um the water was so high a lot of the pencil reeds that the fish spawn in are just gone it just it was so high it wiped them out a lot of pads are gone I'm pretty sure almost all the eel grass in Lake George is gone. Again. Um, again. Yeah. And it sucks because about 10 years ago, that all of George was full of eel grass. And I mean, the lake was on fire. It was some of the best fishing you could, you could fish, you know, for largemouth. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if the fish die. Yeah. I don't know what happens when all that vegetation goes away, but yeah, maybe maybe we can uh, you know get the state to uh, rally some funding or something and, and bring it back because it's Saint, in my opinion the St. John's is one of the best largemouth fisheries that there is when it when it's good you know right um, but uh, in terms of size and things like that you know of the fish but we'll see what happens you know hopefully it'll come back yeah for sure yeah yeah dude so you mentioned you got clark's hill coming up uh i mean your your season's about to kick in full swing you already got one event under your belt but uh, what are you looking forward to this year man man you know i i have got the uh, npfl i'm gonna be fishing uh our first events on lake pickwick here mid-march um and then the second event for mlf is next week on clark's hill and i'm just excited you know to be fishing everything i'm really looking forward to so npfl goes back to right patman and that's where I won that tournament uh, two years ago in the same month in April. And so, you know, I get to uh, hopefully defend that title, but who knows? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to Saginaw Bay. Saginaw Bay is one of my new favorite fisheries. It is, it is truly amazing. Um, you know, it's wise like, size. A li- more numbers wise, but the size isn't bad either. You know, it's not like if you go out and you smallmouth fish, you know, a good day, 23 to 24, that's a, that's a great bag. You know, that's not the kind of numbers you're going to see at other, other smallmouth fisheries that can push 30, but it's just, it, it's funny because a lot of times when you're on a really good smallmouth fishery where you're, you know, you have potential 30 pound bags, the largemouth fishing isn't always the best. 
Saginaw Bay is not like that. You can catch 20 pounds of smallmouth and you can go catch 20 pounds of largemouth all in the same day and get a tremendous amount of bites, like 50 plus bites a day. Um, you know, so I, I was really impressed. Went there for the first time last summer. Excited to go back there. But uh, yeah, just looking forward to the year, you know, hoping to uh, hoping to maybe win one. I'm gonna oh, keep, yeah, my, man. keep the pedal down. Hell yeah. Okay. You're going to be at uh, Classic and Redcrest? Uh, I'm not sure yet which one I'm going to, uh, but yeah, I should be at one of them. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, dude, uh, Andy, you got anything left for Keith here? No, I just want to say safe travels and uh, good luck at your upcoming tournament on Clark's Hill and go get a trophy. That'd be fun to see. Yeah. And, thanks, and you won man. there before, so hopefully you can do it again. I hope so too. I hope you're right. So fingers <laughs> crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I got one more question for you before we let you get. Yeah. Uh, and I have an idea what you're gonna say. I don't know if you'll say it though. But okay. if you had, if you couldn't fish anymore, you had to choose yeah. a different mm-hmm. career path. What yeah. are you gonna pick? Uh, I would have been a professional golfer. Golfer? Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. So well, well, you know, funny thing is, is uh, so like I was a UPS driver years back and. And uh, all the guys golf, like, you know, so I got into it. And I was terrible, like anybody would be when you first start. And um, I stuck with it. And it uh, turns out, like, I've actually gotten pretty good at golf. And in the off season, I, I golf, you know, a fair bit. And, um, yeah, gotten pretty good. I'm shooting in the 70s. And, um, and I can just – I can, like, smoke a ball. And uh, I can – What are you shots. driving? Like, three? Are you driving three, 325? No. Well, so here's the funny thing. So with my driver, I play a 2004 R7. It's an old, old driver. It's got a smooth face, and it's it's very difficult to to square the ball and to compress it. And so it makes me a better driver. And uh, and I carry that about 275, which I think is a pretty good drive. And oh, and absolutely. when I when I hit a new driver, I got a buddy that's got a new Stealth, and I hit it at the range the other day. I carry that about 290, and. Uh, and I'm just, you know, thrilled with it. But, um, yeah, I just learned how to, like, actually swing and, you know, have the proper swing path and things like that. And uh, it's actually not as hard as as uh, it seems when you first start playing. But, it's all muscle memory, right? The same thing yeah. as skipping a wacky worm underneath the dock. It's the same thing yeah. as muscle memory. Well, you know what really blows my mind about golf is I've noticed that as I get better with my swing mechanics with golf and, and striking the ball and hitting the center of the face, I'm better with my casting too. Mm-hmm. It's improving. Yeah, like, I mean, it truly is hand-eye coordination to, to strike a ball exactly how you're supposed to. And with casting, like, I'm hitting my spots. And, you, you know, I mean, we all know the best fishermen that there are in history are basically the best casters of all time. You know, I mean, they can hit spots that are so tiny um, and then also get your bait to enter the water silently, you know, so the fish don't hear it and things like that. And so uh, golf's helped improve my uh, casting technique and stuff and, and which has led me to catching more fish. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. We got Landon Tucker, your good buddy who we've had on the show before uh, commenting saying uh, dude is a stud at golfer. Uh, and he also told me, he texted me here saying uh, that your new nickname is KFC. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like I like chicken, you know. What can I say? Yeah, they have good biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Larson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. 
That's a good point. Not to go on a whole tangent, but back when I was playing lacrosse, I know it's the same thing too. Like I'd go, I had lacrosse practice. I'd go fishing the next day. Like things were just fluid. Like, you know what I mean? Right. That's a great point. Yeah. You just, you got this fluid to you. And then, you know, another thing to golf is you have to have a perfect tempo. Like I don't just go out and just hit the ball as hard as I can. If I go out and swing as hard as I can, I don't hit the center of the face and I'll hit my driver 240 yards. And if I find that perfect tempo, there's a perfect, you know, it's just this feeling of rhythm. And when I, when I find that and I strike the ball, well, I carry that into fishing. Fishing is also, you have to have a rhythm. You know, there's a feeling to how the day progresses and how you're casting and and hitting your mark and things like that. And when I have those kinds of days, they're typically, you know, typically the day goes well and I catch the size of fish that I'm going after. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 You can be going on the bank, skipping, you know, overhanging trees. And you got that, the rhythm's going like you're saying, and it's going perfect. And that gust of wind comes up, pushes a little faster, and then that's when you bird's nest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Guilty. Yeah. Or boat wakes. Oh, yeah. Boat yeah. And he tries to skip docks when there's three foot of boat wakes coming through, yeah. and he wonders why he's, yeah. You can't skip <laughs> unless it's perfect glass. Like, and I mean, if there's a two inch ripple, you know, unless the docks are like high above the water or whatever it is that you're skipping. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, it's calm enough. It's like a three to five mile an hour wind. And I go skipping docks and my bait's like hits a little ripple and it's oh, way man. up above the dock. And of course it's a wacky rig, open hook. And a yep. it's the got like, like wires running deep. all down the walk, the dock. You got that owl swinging its arms. And it's yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's always like, that. Was I thinking? Always. Yeah. Always. Ring it off the pontoon and let the yeah. whole neighborhood know that there's somebody. <laughs> That's just a fish alarm. They're going to come eat it at that point. Oh yeah, <laughs> dinner bell. Bring in the dinner bell. Come on. That's right. <laughs> well, Keith, man, dude, uh, appreciate you taking the time out tonight. It's good catching up with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and man, let us know uh, which one you're going to be at, Red Crest or, or Classic, and uh, we'll have to go grab a brew. Yeah, absolutely, man. Sounds good to me. I'll be looking forward to seeing you guys. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, folks, uh, Keith's Instagram, uh, social, all that jazz is down below. If you guys aren't following him yet, highly encourage you to. And uh, buddy, we'll be in touch. We'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. See you guys. Dude, you want to talk about like on the topic of just fishing simple? That's a guy that fishes simple and it works. It freaking works for him. Uh, But the the whole story of like him and and Cox, uh, Abu, I think it was Abu, Abu Berkeley, or maybe it was both. I can't remember. Uh, Regardless, the brands did a cool story on them last year of like their upbringing. Um, one of these times we'll have to uh, talk about how they started a fire with uh, while they were fishing. It was actually pretty interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. big thank you to Keith for taking time to come out tonight. Uh, that was a lot of fun, especially talking about the spring. Because the spring can be a lot of fun. I mean, as some of the people that we know call it KVD season, uh, they like to to t- take jokes at this time of year, which is all fine. I mean, like this time of year, you catch a lot of fish and you can mm-hmm. run into some big ones too. Uh, but you but could also zero very easily if you're not around them. For so. sure. For sure. Or you can literally be catching 15 pounds 10 times over and wonder why you're not catching a big one at all. Uh, whereas there's certain things that can, it, it's not always just easy. You're not going to go out there and catch a giant every single time of the year just because the spring. There are some different things you have to take into account because those big girls, they act different than the rest of the crowd. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Keith uh, dropped some really good knowledge on there for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you're watching or uh, excuse me, if you're listening, 
uh, to this at a later date. I know obviously we're live at the moment. Uh, please leave us a rating in review. Uh, that really helps us out big time. Uh, and of course, if you are watching this, whether on Facebook or YouTube, give it a thumbs up. If you're on YouTube, subscribe. We really appreciate it. And uh, guys, I'm rocking a Serious Angler t-shirt right now. If you guys want some Serious Angler merch, Lure Lab, Business of the Bass Boat, and we have some new fun Serious Dangler shirts coming out here soon. Uh, we do have our website up, SeriousAnglerNetwork.com. It's down below if you guys want any merch. That also is another way to support the show if you'd like. But and tonight, tonight was a lot of fun. Agreed. I like these episodes, especially talking about big fish. It's my favorite. So, so you like every episode then? Yes. <laughs> You're like, I like episodes like this. The episodes where we have guests? What, what do you mean? <laughs> no, talking about like how to specifically target big fish and like certain times of year. I just, because I feel like everyone has generally a different answer, but it all comes down to like, the same details like the minute details of like where they find them and how they find them and how they target it and it's kind of cool to see the story of how each individual targets the bigger fish and their approach which i generally enjoy oh absolutely like that fish is weird it's it's like impregnated in my brain over that fish. <laughs> it's just wild yeah, i remember the one fish we caught a couple of years ago, one of the first times we went and fished your favorite lake, and it was like Est. Remember that weird largemouth yeah, thing? It was deformed, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Huge head on it. The tail on it was like this big, and it was like an S. It looked like a We snake. caught some abnormal fish that day. Like, I had a fish that was what? It was 18 inches and like 18 inches around, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are just finger lake fish in general, though. They're not very. They just yeah. eat and they get very yeah. tall and wide and short and stubby. And they're yeah, Honey Lake. That's where they're yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> honey Lake can eat like all those lakes. That's right. Yeah. Well, buddy, what's uh, what's coming up for you? What do you got in the docket? Mm, for the Lure Lab, I think we're going to have a Meg Draft show this Saturday. So that'll be a good one. Uh, we have uh, Mega Bass. Mega Bass guy Josh Bragg is going to come on and talk about the Meg Draft. It is his favorite mm-hmm. technique. And we're going to be breaking down the difference between the OG Meg Draft and the freestyle. Mm-hmm. And when and where to throw each one in your setup for it. So, because there's some big differences between the two, I feel like, and when and where to throw them. So Josh is going to break that down for us. Yeah. I uh, should have taken that addressment to go into the the standard uh, this past week versus the uh, freestyle version. <laughs> yeah, and I think like a big thing too is like the rod choice on what you throw them on because from the treble hook to a single hook, um, there's a big difference on how you have to actually hook the fish. Mm-hmm. So that will be a really interesting one. I look forward yeah. to it. It'll be very interesting indeed. Uh, if you guys have not checked out the Lure Lab, there's links to that down below. Um, but uh dude, in probably like what a month ish? Erie, I mean Erie's open right now, isn't it? Oh, if I had my boat, I could probably get out there and catch smallmouth right now. I just I'm trying to decide if I want to get the boat before we go to Red Crest and take it in, or if I want to wait till we get back because I really can't bring it home until after we move. So that's my dilemma because it'll be in the way of moving. So, well, I know a great friend that'll look after it for you. Yeah, where are we going to leave it in your driveway at the at the apartment complex? Yeah, we'll just pick up a couple spaces. There's no big. <laughs> oh, 
keep it all locked for you. Don't you worry. Yeah. So I gotta. I actually have to call Morgan Marine and see when I can get it in there. But I actually have to fish, fix my boat cover first because it's a ratchet strap system. <laughs> and when I was in the boat a couple weeks ago, I forgot to clamp down the one side of the ratchet strap, and I pulled the strap like halfway through the cover. So I gotta basically get the strap back out. So how do you do that? I'm gonna have to figure it out. <laughs> Cause it's I like, can't. It's like when you get your uh, like the string in your hoodie. Yeah, big old pain in the ass, but we'll figure yeah. it out. What? No, I, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, so we'll that is out. one task, my friend. That I will not help you with. <laughs> oh come on! No, I have a couple ideas on how I'm going to do it, but we'll see it. That's going to be something that I'm going to have to do. I I went and got the boat cover. It is at my house. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and try to figure it out because it's a traveling boat cover so i want to make sure it's on there when it's sitting outside at whatever marina i take it to so it doesn't get like snowed on if i take it at the end of february or beginning of march so for sure we'll see yeah well uh if you guys are looking to uh get on some big old lake erie smallmouth or uh even some finger lake fish this spring uh andy's contact information either you can reach out to him on social uh, but his email and such is down below as well in the show notes. Uh, and guys, everything that we talked about bait wise tonight, like he talked about the gilly, he talked about, uh, um, oh gosh, the Fritz side. You talked about uh, several different baits tonight. The drift walker too, I think, right? Is that a bait from Berkeley? Drift walker. Drift walker is that a skinnier topwater walking bait? Uh, all that stuff's available on Omnia Fishing. So if you guys want to uh, go and get some tackle, whether even it's, if it's not the stuff that we talked about tonight, if you haven't ordered. With us on Omnia, we do have a code, uh, first-time order code called Serious First, all caps, uh, for 15% off. And then you can use unlimited times after that. You can use code Serious 10 for 10% off. That's all down below in the show notes. Every single show uh, has, whether it's YouTube or MP3, has all of our discount codes to our partners as well as websites to partners that we don't have discount codes for that you guys can go check out and uh, take advantage of. Um, as well as some different social medias. Uh, as the Sears uh, Angler Podcast Network grows, uh, we might be adding a show later this year, uh, maybe May, June timeframe. Um, as it continues to grow, all of our shows are always linked below so you guys can check out everything else that uh, the network is able to provide. But uh, Andy, tonight was a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think we call it, man. Yeah. It yeah, and we'll see everyone on Friday. Heck yeah. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you next time. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.